You are Locked On Indians, your daily Cleveland Indians podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the pod brought to you today by Built Bar. Remember, when you go to BuiltBar.com, use the promo code LOCKDOWN to get 20%. I am your host, Jeff Ellis, formerly of Scout, formerly of 24-7, both cases where I was the lead prospect and draft analyst. And that is part of the reason why I started last Friday doing a 30-pick mock draft, well, 29 picks, because the Houston Astros do not have a pick in the first round due to, uh, well, everyone listening to this pod likely knows no reason to revisit that uh, trash can fire, as it were, pun intended. But uh, yeah, so I did the first 11 picks on Friday after discussing the uh, the minor, minor, minor additions of Gamble and Hamilton. And just to reiterate those points, Gamble, okay, he can be useful as a platoon guy, but Daniel Johnson gives you a much higher ceiling. Hamilton is one of the worst hitters in all of baseball, and if he is on the team, it is a travesty. If you want those first 11 picks, go listen to Friday's show. I went in-depth. I'm not going to give a full recap here. College baseball season starts Friday. I'm hoping to post the mock on my little side website that I occasionally post things on since Scout and 24... Well, since 24-7 bought Scout and then 24-7 got rid of baseball. So that's why things uh, appear over there when I have time to write. Uh, this podcast takes a lot of time, and the day job takes a lot of time, and having a child takes a lot of time. I'm sure everyone out there knows all of these such things. So writing, as I've mentioned before, I have people always like, why aren't you writing as much? That's why. Uh, there's only so much time in the day one can allocate. And unfortunately, writing is the you know eighth thing on a list of things I can get to. And it just has not been there for me to do that. Uh, I have written out, if you're curious about this mock that I've talked about, uh, I have 16 picks written out, so I should, could always post those, but yeah, it's, I, I'll, I'll post what I have by Friday, uh, let's put it that way, it's unfortunately that's just the state I am in when it comes to writing, and I promised myself I would start writing small bits at the start, and then I fell back into my bigger ways in the middle, and that's just, when I write, I like to go in depth on why I make these selections which partially is because of the amount of time I've spent uh, getting to know these teams, uh, going through history, going through data. I have had more success uh, in years where I listen to less sources than in years where I listen to more. There's always some sources that are really good for information and some information that breaks late, but you'll get so much bad information, so much people trying to you know, do smoke screens or hide what they think is going to happen. And then you you end up, oh, yeah, they're definitely doing this. And you're like, well, that goes against all of their tendency data. And sometimes they do go against their tendency data. But more often than not, teams follow the same guidebook. They follow the same approach. They look at things the same way. And looking at that past history is going to give you more information than any source would give you. So know that this is all based more than anything, especially because no one has inside information right now on who's going where. This is all based on what we have seen in terms of uh, past history past history, and past historical data. When I think back to my first year at Scout, to be honest, and that was like the biggest D1 
deal. First two years of Scout were definitely the most media coverage I ever got, uh, including being on like ESPN National Radio, the John Stash Hour Show. And then the next year being on like 70 plus uh, radio shows over three days. Uh, but that first year, I didn't have really any inside information. It was my first time being a national person. And I remember people telling me I had the most correct picks in the first round that year. And that probably gives you the best idea of how that information is and uh, how much you can get uh, fed good and or bad. But yeah, just a little personal anecdote. So we have pick 12 here. And this is one of those where historical data definitely pays off as the Seattle Mariners and Jerry DePoto. DePoto does not go with anything other than college talent. It has been his MO basically his entire career as a GM. Uh, if you're out there and thinking about Mike Trout, well, that was the year before DePoto came to town. So that draft class was not his. He has gone college, college, and more college. Of late, he has been very college arm focused. And when you're going through the list of college arms, he tends to go with college producers, um, guys that when I went through and ranked, I was a little higher on, like George Kirby, Lucas Gilbert, Emerson Hancock, I was not as high on, but the other three, all really strong uh, production numbers, and Hancock's numbers weren't bad in terms of production. I just wanted to see a little bit more of the ceiling that I thought his numbers should produce. Another common thing with all three of those guys is low walk rate data. So someone who already shows the ability to control the zone, a bit of a safer arm in terms of at least having more of a mid to back end uh, floor. And when you consider all of that, uh, Jordan Wicks was really the name I could not look past. The left-hander from Kansas State, not the biggest guy. That's going to be something that might keep him off some other boards at six foot one. But came in as a freshman that first year, uh, walk rate under two, strikeout rate over nine. He only had, of course, three starts last year. Very limited sample size of for any player, just in general. Walk rate under two, strikeout rate around nine. Again, not the highest ceiling, but you're looking at uh, someone who has maybe the top changeup in the entire class, has a you know average fastball. Everything is there for a good mid to back end starter. There are other college starters who might be more interesting. And there are other college bats. I could also see South Freilich, who we'll talk about in a bit, being interesting here to the Mariners. But if they keep going for arms, which they seem to be just stockpiling as many as they can, you can never have too many arms. Look at the Atlanta Braves. I mean, they had all the arms in the world, and now they're still out there trying to acquire more pitching. Jordan Wicks is the player who fits their profile. Moving on to 13, the Philadelphia Phillies. Uh... Dave Dombrowski is now in charge there. He likes toolsy outfielders and prep right-handed pitchers and really any prep pitcher with a big build, big velocity. So when you look through this class, uh, toolsy outfielder James Woods from IMG Academy would make a lot of sense. Uh, Joshua uh, Baez is another one of those guys, but I can't look past Andrew Painter, uh, someone who is around the top 10 on most boards, kind of head and shoulders above the rest of the prep arms at this point in time. Very much kind of your typical prep right-hander. Seems too easy of a fit at this point with a lot of other teams. Past few years starting to be a little bit more conservative. And, you know, this is a pick that I had at 13 in my Mach 1.0. The front offices have changed, but uh, keeping it there. 
It just makes too much sense with Dombrowski in charge. San Francisco at pick 14. They, uh, they've been more college-focused. They are a stat-based uh, front office. And I mentioned Sal Freilich, the outfielder from Boston College before. He is one of those players that uh, if you want to look at the indicators of potential improvement slash and or breakout, he checks all of them. Uh, very good athlete. He was uh, Gatorade, All-State, uh, whatever they call that for the state of Massachusetts, basically their top football player as a quarterback. He was a hockey player as well. He's had some problems with injury. He's been a cold weather player. When you look at that combo of athlete, multi-sport athlete, who played them all at an advanced level, uh, injuries and cold weather as both a high school and college performer, those all indicate a player who has not really hit the typical crests and points we would see at a player relative to his age level. So all that combines to for a team that does use a lot of those uh, indicators would be more intrigued by Freilich. He's also someone that a lot of teams view as a second baseman, up-the-middle talent. The Giants have been very focused on up-the-middle talent in recent years. Uh, there's a few other college bats that are kind of interesting around this range, but I, I think the overall upside of Freilich would be hard for them to pass on. So at pick 15, I have the Milwaukee Brewers taking Khalil Watson, who was who I had mocked to the Indians way back in September. Uh, his spring got people excited, and he's just one of the highest ceiling talents. It's it's all quick twitch athleticism, some of the best pure bat speed in the class. Uh, if I went and looked at those diamond indicators over at Perfect Game, you'd see they're all in the high 90th percentiles. It's a profile that's easy to fall in love with. Uh, he is someone that you read their reports, and it's it's interesting to read their reports on because you can see if how people feel about him. You know, he he plays a fiery game, and he's not afraid to 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 show a lot of emotion. And there are people when you talk to them who view it as a positive, and there are others who view it as a negative. And you will see reports are almost entirely based around your view of that. So. He is a he wears his emotions 100% on his sleeve, and that certainly um, is a major effect. I feel like when I read a report or when I get notes, how someone views that. All I see at this point in time is a high school kid who can't stand losing, uh, which I feel like is very natural and is very used to being successful. Again, very natural for someone at this level. I think you're betting on that athleticism, and I think it is a good bet. The Brewers have tended to go more college than prep, and they've gone for high-level performers. I think about Ethan Small, who led the SEC in strikeouts, was one of the best strikeout pitchers in the country, who they took in the first round, but he wasn't a first-round talent on anyone else's board, and they kind of can do some things like that, where they almost go off-board a bit with scouting reports. But then sometimes they will go the other way. Uh, Garrett Mitchell had good but not great numbers in college, but was an up-the-middle athlete. Uh... Bryce Terang, who they drafted, was a sliding up-the-middle athlete shortstop. So in this case, Watson is a player who could be in play uh, multiple spots higher than this in the mock. And with him still on the board, I thought it made it a rather easy selection to slot him into the Brewers. Uh, Like I said, Watson could go as high as fourth in this draft. I wouldn't be shocked. But at this point in time, this was struck me as his absolute floor. Speaking of floors... uh, If you're someone who's out there and you're looking at uh, places to gamble on 
player outcomes. I bet you could find that over in betonline.ag. And if they don't have it now, uh, if that's something you really wanted, you could contact me. I could contact them, and they would figure out a way to do it. That is what Bet Online is kind of all about. They want to be out there coming up with inventive, interesting things that people can go out and gamble on. They very much want to be a consumer-based service and come up with fun and inventive ways to uh, to use their, their product and use uh, what is in place. And when you go to betonline underscore AG and you use that promo code locked on, you're going to get a 50% uh, sign welcome bonus. So it's a 50% bonus on whatever you deposit. Uh, remember, it's a free account at betonline.ag and that promo code locked on for your 50% welcome bonus. Don't sit on the sidelines anymore. Get in on the action. And don't forget to use that promo code locked on to get your 50% welcome bonus with your first deposit. Visit our good friends and exclusive partner at betonline underscore AG to take advantage of the best bonuses in the business. Sign up for a free account and use the promo code locked on for your sign up bonus. Uh, our other sponsor today, I mentioned them at the top of the show. Built Bar, uh, they are having a deal if you're listening to this show right now. So that's a 14% that they're having currently. Now in the past, I know you could use their deal plus our promo code together to get some really great deals in that regard. So it'd be like a 34% bonus uh, on a fantastic product and a fantastic line of products. We often just, you know, it's called Built Bar, but they're expanding. Uh, I use Boosts, the Built Bar, the add it to your drink uh, every day. I have tried the Built Bar Goes. Now I'm starting to think, I'm, is it bad that there's so many products? <laughs> I'm like, oh, am I conflating the names of them? Bottom line, Built Bar is a product I buy. When I buy it, I use the promo code locked on because it is the best discount you will get on Built Bar. So use that 20, the lock, locked on to get that 20% bonus. And it's just a fantastic product. It is a product I keep going back to and I keep ordering and I have ordered four or five since they've become a sponsor here because it is a product I enjoy. It is a product I like. I get tired of things. I do not get tired of Built Bar. Go to BuiltBar.com. Use that promo code locked on. Do yourself a favor. It's the best uh, protein slash breakfast bar that I have ever had. And that is why I keep going back and ordering from Built Bar. BuiltBar.com. Promo code locked on. And uh, we're covering everything you need to know about the Cleveland Indians. What about the rest of sports? Now, the Locked On Podcast Network has you covered there as well with Locked On Today. It's hosted by the great Peter Bukowski. It's all the sports news you need every morning in under 20 minutes. Subscribe to Locked On Today podcast wherever you get podcasts. So we are back uh, with pick... Or you pick 16 in this one with the last one, as I mentioned, that I have a write up on. So uh, I'm not actually using the write up. So when it comes time to, uh, if you want to read it, I will, of course, link out to it. But uh, I, while the information will have some similarities, I am not sitting here and just reading you what I have written. That would be rather boring. Miami Marlins are an interesting team. Uh, DJ Civic, uh, butchering his name. He was a coordinator, uh, scouting coordinator at Vandy, and I believe the juniors this year would have still been players he recruited. Now, the first year uh, the Jeter ownership uh, place was in, they went all ceiling with picks. Since then, since they brought in uh, DJ Civic, uh, they have gone very college heavy, and they've gone with a lot of players he has known over the years. Now, I don't know if he knows anyone uh in this class or has a connection to them and again i can't rem remember timelines off the top of my head 
here, but uh, if they continue to go college heavy, Henry Davis, the catcher from Louisville, stands out for a couple of reasons. One, uh, he's a strong defender. Two, if he's catching the Louisville staff, that means he's catching like 10 future minor league pitchers and probably at least three to four future major league pitchers. He's getting to already catch uh, stuff that most of these college kids won't even see till they get drafted. And three, he looked really good last year. Like he was one of the more impressive hitters in the country. Small sample size, weak competition, which is what the start of the schedule is. But if he can get anywhere close to what he did a year ago, uh, he's going to be a top 10 pick, not a the 16th overall pick. And that's what you're kind of balancing here. Like Henry Davis is one of those guys, honestly, he's pick 16. He's probably not going to be pick 16 uh, come June, or I should say July now, right? Yeah, come July. That's not going to be uh, when how that works for him. And it's simple because he's either going to play so well he goes higher or he's going to come back to earth and end up going lower um, because it'll be then... You know, oh, so that was it. There's going to be a judgment factor based on, especially for him, where he was a part-time player as a freshman, basically a backup catcher, got, you know, as much of a chance as anyone did in uh, his sophomore year. Now he's got this senior year, he, or senior year, I should, junior year. I mean, he essentially will have two more years of eligibility no matter what. But if he comes out and... uh really struggles I mean, he could torpedo his stock he's one of those guys who just has a high high amount of uh of variance in his draft outcomes and i put him here at 16 he's one of those guys where that right now makes sense based on positional value and and the like and he like i said he's one of those guys i'm going to be looking at heavily in the early going because he is just one of those players that i feel like there are so many potential outcomes, and I don't even know for sure, you know, which way I'm leaning with him because I, I I don't have as much. I rely so much on with you know college players in particular the chance to see, the chance to watch, the chance to compile numbers and look. A lot of that stuff matters to me, and there just isn't it there with a guy like Davis as opposed to a lot of these other college players where at least I had a freshman year worth of data to go back and talk about. Cincinnati Reds at 17. Uh, they they had been very college-heavy for a few years there uh, after they'd been very prep-heavy. And basically the company, I don't know if I want to say the company line, but basically the, the one consistency and all of that was uh, none of it worked. And they were just abysmal at player development. Um, go through that team right now. It is not a team that was internally developed. Like, okay, I'm going to pause the podcast right now. Here are the players that are internally developed. Tucker Barnhart, the catcher who has been a backup uh, basically his entire time there. Jess Winkler, Joey Votto, who's been there for 13 years. Uh, in terms of their starting rotation, Tyler Molly, Michael Lorenzen. And, uh, you know, at the same time, there's been some success stories, but, man, it's a team where those top picks have really yet to produce. I mean... Uh, Nick Lodolo, we'll have to give him time. Jonathan India has seen his star just tumble. Hunter Green got hurt. Tyler Stevenson has seen his go up, but they have had some really high draft picks and not a lot to show for it over the years. That might just a bit a long way of saying that uh, they've been kind of all over the place in the draft, but a lot of it just has has not seen to work so far. Uh, 
if you're out there disagreeing with me, yes, Jeter Downs is interesting. He's not there anymore. Nick Senzel, we've talked about his prospect variance. Uh, Taylor Trammell, been traded a bunch of times. Tyler Stevenson, we'll still see. And Lorenzen and Winkler were recent successes, um, both what the 2012 and 2013 class. But there's been a lot in between there. And I think even the most ardent Reds fan would agree it's been not a great situation for them over the years. Now, they had been so focused on college players, then last year they switched back and t- took Austin Hendrick. So at this point in the draft, I thought, and athletes have always been a rumored uh, kind of area of focus for them. James Woods, outfielder, IMG Academy, one of the best athletes in the class, one of the biggest upside players. If they liked Hendricks because of his power potential, uh, I thought James Woods would make a lot of sense at this point in time in the draft. So I put James Woods to them. It just is a logical pick in terms of liking athletes, liking power potential, and liking uh, you know prep players with high ceiling. Moving on to the 18th pick, St. Louis Cardinals, Josh Baez, outfielder slash right-handed pitcher from Dexter South High School in Mississippi. Cardinals are interesting because when they were winning those World Series, they were actually very conservative. Then they went very uh, much kind of the other way and went for a lot of ceiling bets, and that didn't always work out either. Now they're still a little more ceiling than the other way, but the one consistent over the past few years uh, is either sliding talent and or big power potential. Baez is one of those guys, I think, if he was still to the Indians, if he was on the board, I would probably mock him to the Indians. Uh, Young for his class, really good power potential. Uh, I think he's like 94, 95 on the mound. But, I I mean, everyone projects him as an outfielder. But you're looking at one of those guys who's just an excellent athlete, big-time power, young for the class. Once you get him focused in the one area, he's going to have a huge arm in the outfield. He's going to have big power potential. Uh, in terms of ceiling, it's it's just an easy uh, easy package to dream on. And again, with the Cardinals being very focused on hitters with power, it made it an easy selection right there. And we'll get one more in tonight. We'll go to the Toronto Blue Jays. Joe Mack, catcher, Williamsville East High School in New York. Now, the Blue Jays love bloodlines. Uh, last year, there was not really an ideal pick for them in terms of bloodlines. But they are a team in general that they love them. I mean, you can even go back to something like uh, when they took Alec um, Manea. And at points I had mocked him to the Blue Jays because, you know, his brother was drafted. So there's some baseball bloodlines. And uh, they looked for a time like he wouldn't get there. And then eventually they drafted him. Jordan Groshan's brother was a prospect as well. So you can kind of see those lines of them doing that. Well, Joe has a brother named Charlie who is currently in the Minnesota Twins minor league system uh, after being drafted out of Williamsville East High School. So he uh, does fit a few of their recent picks where he is actually the younger brother of someone who is either an advanced uh, college prospect and or a minor league prospect. They have tended to like the younger brothers. In addition to his brother Charlie, his sister was an accomplished softball player, so it is just a baseball family. When you look at all of the, just the bloodlines in that way, he makes a lot of sense. But he's also, he's a strong athlete. Defensively, probably shines more than offensively. But one of those things that I think 
we underrate a bit when it comes to the evaluation of prep hitters is that here's a player who has a strong eye at the plate. He can work counts, uh, walk, shows on base skills, and often, you know, hit tool and on base skills uh, get lumped together when you look at some of the old ways that people would view things. Now, this isn't the case, and I don't think it's the case with teams at all, ever, but you still see it come up sometimes with people like myself on the internet. And when you look at someone like Joe Mack, he might get discounted because I don't think he's going to have plus power. I mean, he's young. (laughs) Who knows? Really, none of us do. But it's not... uh, With some players, it's very easy to see. With Mack, it's not as easy to see right now. But he has the look of a potential number two hitter while being a plus defensive catcher. That is a... I mean... That's one of the three best catchers in baseball, what I just described. That is impossible to find. If he becomes that, then that was a fantastic value. There's always a gamble. Prep catchers are riskier than prep pitchers. That's just what the data shows us. If you go through and line them up, the percentage of hits versus misses at those positions is so much riskier when you're looking at a prep catcher than anything else out there. But I am more willing to gamble on a player who has A, bloodlines, like there's a reason why the Blue Jays keep going back to that well, be athleticism and see a strong approach at the plate. Because even if there ends up being problems behind the plate defensively, which I doubt with his tool set, uh, the strong eye at the plate is something you can always fall back on. And catchers take a while to develop, but having a strong basis on both the offense and defensive side of things gives him a much better chance to be successful. So, there we go. A uh, bunch of, of picks in the book. In the book. In the. Whew. A lot of picks are already talked about. Let's put it that way. We have the New York Yankees with pick 20. Uh, if you look at just the speed that we went at today, which was eight picks, which is not bad. You know, it's about three minutes per pick. I'll take it. Uh, I won't have that good of a pace tomorrow because the Cleveland Indians are. Our pick 23 tomorrow, so I would say instead of eight picks, let's count on five picks for tomorrow's podcast, knowing that the Cleveland Indians will take a substantial amount of that time, and you know I will explain in depth fully the player I mention, the reason why, and I'll even dive into who the sleeper I put is there, which I have not been doing with all these other picks, and why as a sleeper I think uh, he is someone else. Just keep in mind for the Cleveland Indians with that 23rd overall pick. So if you are someone who all you care about is the Cleveland Indians and this has not been your favorite podcast series, well, we'll get through, you know, at least to the Indians pick tomorrow. Let's put it that way. And then maybe I will save for Fridays those last uh, five or so selections or six selections, I should say, and just do the three before and then spend the second half of the show just talking about the Indians. I think that's probably my best bet. Uh, you know, things kind of get planned on the go with me sometimes, but as of now, we are diving into tomorrow's show with the plan being, uh, we'll do the first three picks and the second half of the show is going to be that Cleveland Indians pick and sleeper in depth on both those players and just some in depth on the Indians draft approach as well. I have been Jeff Ellis. This has been the Lockdown Indians podcast and for the next year, at least go tribe.